welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 58, The Idea We Make Right. I'm going to start by telling you a poem because (laughs) this is a poem that I learned in seventh grade, and I'm going to try to recite it from memory. I think I can still remember it because this is a poem that's going to sort of exemplify the concept that we're talking about today, which is all about how there is no right way. There is no right idea. There's no right choice. There's no right direction. There's no right person. There is the idea that we make right, that we commit to, the person we commit to, ourselves that we decide to just adore because we are who we are, rather than trying to make ourselves different before we can really commit to and love ourselves. So I memorized, this is kind of wild. I memorized this poem. It's by William Butler Yeats. And I memorized this when I was in seventh grade. And then I wrote a thesis about it in grad school because it was such an exemplary sort of poetic expression of this concept that has lived with me my entire life through many lived experiences, artistic expression, creations, eating disorders, all kinds of things. This has sort of been this concept at the core of my life. So here's the poem. It's called The Song of Wandering Angus. Let's see if I can do this. I went out to the hazelwood because a fire was in my head. I cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread. And when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out, I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame, but something rustled on the floor and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. Ooh, I did it. I don't know if every single word was right. Exact word, but I'm sure Yates will forgive me. So he sees, right? The the person in the poem sees this ideal version of a girl glimmering, glimmering in the brightening air of the morning. He's in this beautiful forest, the hazelwood, with white moths on the wing, these moths like fluttering up. And he's caught a little silver trout and he's tending his fire and he's about to cook it. And then all of a sudden he sees this ideal version. Whether it was imagined or real, we don't know, right? But he sees this ideal version and he spends his whole life until he's old and gray chasing after that ideal that he had in his head of the perfect person that he could be with. 
over all those years of searching the hollow lands, the hilly lands, right? Like running throughout the world, trying to find this ideal person. What he's not doing is being with anybody else. (laughs) He's not living a life. He's searching for this ideal. I love this poem. I love the silver apples, the golden apples, the white moths on the wing. And I love an idea, y'all. I sure do. I love an ideal, an idea. I love a possibility to chase. I love seeing the glimmer of a possibility and then going for it. But, and for many of us, when we see an ideal so clearly in our minds, in that way that the glimmering girl sort of lit up the person in this poem, right? We see an idea that sparks us like this, and we can see it so clearly, or we might get so attached to the shiniest, best version of something we want to do, to experience, to find, to create, that sometimes we never actually act on it. Or we never actually find contentment or happiness or gratitude. We never fall in love with the life that we're living because we're chasing after an idea in our mind of a life or people or a version of ourselves that we could be like. So instead of loving who we are right now and loving the people around us and the things we're working on and the work we're doing and the things we're creating, we sort of stay in discontent with what we have and who we are because we're not that ideal. So today's podcast is all about balance, the balance between possibility and presence between holding a glimmering ideal in your mind only when it serves you (laughs) and balancing that spark of passion and excitement that fires us up when we do focus on a possibility or an ideal and balancing that with being okay with where we are, with what we can do, who we are right now, who we're with, and so that we can both take action towards what we want and be in love with what we have and with what we're doing and with who we are right now. Because that energy, my friends, of being in love with the world that you're actually in is way more effective and helps you bring your ideas and love and the life that you want into being. If you want a sort of sister episode to this, you can you can go back and listen to Look How Far You've Come. And this is sort of a sister philosophy to this. So let me tell you a story about this. Because you know I love a story. So it was my first year of graduate school. I was getting an MFA in art theory and conceptual art and also in studio practice. I was a painter. I am a painter. So that first year, my work was all over the place. It was sort of random as all get out. I had come from my undergrad experience in studio art where I was on fire those four years. I was painting every day, all the time. I could not get enough of it. I was doing these five-foot photorealistic paintings of people in social situations, and I loved them. I could have spent all my grad school years working on those same paintings, iterating on them, fine-tuning my approach, and it would have been so good, y'all. Like I would have had so much fun and I would have gotten a lot better. I would have developed the skill, refined my concepts, gotten really good if I had dedicated myself to that. I mean, I think those paintings would be really amazing by now. 
because they started out pretty good, in my humble opinion. (laughs) I loved my subjects. I love people. So for me, spending hours and hours turning these stilled moments of life into precious, immortalized objects, these paintings that turned everyday people into heroic figures was like a blast for me. I loved it. It was wonderful. Felt like me, right? Super authentic. But then I got into graduate school, which is like boot camp for an artist. (laughs) There were so many cooks in the kitchen of my head, y'all. So many opinions, so much new information, so many images, so many voices telling me what they thought about every single mark I made. So I was all over the place. Oh my gosh. I did these giant paintings of bathroom stalls on Masonite, like particle board. Who paints bathroom stalls? I don't know. Why was I painting bathroom stalls? I mean, there's a time and a place, but I don't even remember. I did performance art in a bathtub with no clothes on. I did giant paintings of women in a mud bath situation with animal masks on. These were inspired by this this painter that I loved and was studying. They were five-foot paintings. I mean, the experimentation was cool. Some of the products were pretty cool. The paintings were kind of fun to look at. And I mean, that's what grad school is all about, right? But there was no consistency. Every time I focused in on a concept and made a few paintings about that thing, I would get sidetracked and I would have a new idea that I'd start chasing because there wasn't ever an idea that was good enough for me. I didn't commit. So by the end of my first year of grad school, when I had my official faculty panel review, my work, y'all, it was like a yard sale of different styles. (laughs) And more than anything else, when I talked about it, there wasn't a real commitment to what I was trying to create with the work. I was just a little all over the place. So I did not pass that review. Side story, I will never forget my boyfriend at the time took me out to celebrate that I passed my review. So he brought a bottle of champagne and we're sitting on this beach in San Francisco. And I tell him, you know, babe, I didn't pass. And he said, well, let's just celebrate that you did the review at all and that you finished your first year of grad school. So he hands me this bottle of champagne to open. And for the first and only time in my life, the cork popped me in the eye. (laughs) It was like so poetic. I was both laughing and crying. And it really, you know, capped that year of grad school for me. Big fail in all the ways. So over the summer, I decided I need to just get back in touch with what I love. I went and I taught kids art to just connect back to the fun of all of it. I researched artists that lit me up. People that just made my brain sparky. (laughs) Lisa Yuskovich and Lucian Freud. And then I found Wangechi Mutu. I loved her. I loved her work. So I locked myself in my painting studio all summer long. I started playing with new styles. There were no other voices in my studio, and I actually didn't allow anybody into my studio to see what I was making. I just committed to this new way, this new idea, and I went for it. And the way that I felt, you all, in comparison, with the year before where I was chasing every idea and committing to none was night and day. I had so much more fun. I was so relaxed. I had a blast. When something didn't quite work out in the painting, I just tried a different approach, but I stayed committed to the same general idea and concept. I iterated. I created a whole new body of work that summer. 
It was like an inner interplay between unintentional marks and photorealism. And when I got back to school in the fall for my re-review, I passed solidly and made that work and wrote my thesis on that one idea. So that's what I wanted you to take. That's what I offer today for you to take from today's episode. There is no right idea. There's no right choice. There is only the idea that you make right by falling in love with it on purpose, by committing to it through all its ups and downs. We spend so much time searching for and trying to discover the magic idea or the right version of what we want to do. We stay indecisive, maybe insecure, and oftentimes we stay in inaction when we do this. And the truth is that all of that second guessing wastes our days, our time, our energy, our creativity, and it's it's like torture. <laughs> compared to the fun of just deciding on something, going for it, and seeing how lit up we get and who we become as we try. When we can stop chasing those mythological silver apples of the moon and golden apples of the sun and start focusing on all of the things we can do with like the Honeycrisp apple that's right in our hand, (laughs) we could actually make some delicious apple juice or a dang old pie and share it with people. And then Maybe the crust didn't come out right. Maybe the juice is a little too sweet, but we have something to iterate on. We have the confidence that comes from trying, from putting something out there in the world. And and that's when we get momentum and we start having real fun. We get confidence because we're moving. So this is a super literal example of this from grad school, right? This painting story that I told you. But there are a lot of other ways that this might show up for us. In relationships, we look for the perfect person, the perfect friends, the perfect partner. We want people to be different. We want them to say different things and act differently. We want our kids or colleagues to be perfect and act in the right way. And we chase that, rejecting what's in front of us because we're looking for perfection. When we have an idea, like we want to write a book or a podcast or a blog or an album, some songs, We wait and wait because we're afraid it won't be good enough. But you know what every brilliant writer and musician and yoga teacher and podcaster is standing on top of? A big pile of shitty first drafts and failed first creations. (laughs) That's what makes us good at what we do. Doing it poorly, trying again, and learning from it. The ego doesn't like it, but We evolve and become the people we want to be through trying and failing and trying again. We might also be doing this with life stuff like recipes or habit changes, like working out more or throwing a party or hosting a book club or creating a holiday card, all that stuff. We often just don't do it because we're afraid it won't be good enough. So before I wrap up with some tools that you can use, to get past looking for the right idea and just start choosing one and making your idea right, I want to distinguish again that this is all about balance. Balance between a bias toward action, being prolific, getting work out there, getting creations out there over and over again so that you can rapidly iterate and doing your best, 
giving everything you've got to the work that you are doing. There's a balance there, right? Want to get a lot of things out there. We want quantity, but we also want quality. So it's a balance. We don't want either thing to come at the expense of the other. We want to feel great about what we're putting out there and we want to put out a lot of it. And balance between loving what you've got and chasing that glimmer of possibility. Balance between being in, in, inside of, solidly, and loving the life, the body, the work, the creations, the relationships that you have already, and balancing that with seeing possibility for change or for things that you want or ways you want it to be different so you can move toward those possibilities and make changes. So balance. And being in love with who you are now is much more effective at helping you become who you want to be. All right, so let's wrap up with some things that you can do. Here are some steps that you can take to let go of your search for the right idea and make your idea right. So first, list list some ideas that you want to take action on and haven't yet. Maybe these, again, are recipes or book clubs or parties or friendships, or maybe they're a book you want to write or a business you want to start. could be anything, okay? could be a habit change. Make the list of things that you'd like to take action on, but that you haven't yet. And then choose one or two that really light you up and turn you on. They make you just feel all buzzy with excitement and possibility, and they feel like you. Choose those. Keep the rest. You can choose those later. We want to prioritize your energy and your focus and your time. Choose that one or that two. And next, step two, do the work of falling in love with your idea. Commit to working on that idea until it's in the world, you're satisfied with it, you've iterated enough that you're ready to share it. So step one is to list all of the ideas of things that you'd like to act on that you haven't yet and choose a couple, one or two, that light you up. And step two is do the work of falling in love with that idea and committing to it, that one or two things. Then start acting. Commit to doing B-minus work, getting your first idea out there. Decide on a limit for the amount of passive action you'll allow yourself to take. That's like learning and watching YouTube videos or whatever. Like (laughs) Passive action is different than action. Passive action is when you're taking in. Action is when you're creating. So give yourself a limit because passive action is a lot safer for us, for our lizard brains. So give yourself a limit for how much you'll be able to sort of take in and then Decide by when you're going to get your first attempt done. Schedule it. Get your first iteration out there and then do a retro on it. Do an evaluation. You can reference the podcast. Retros are everything if you need that process and then try again. Iterate over and over until it's good enough, until you're satisfied. And then you can move on to your next idea. But first, post a picture of it. Tag me, share it with me, email me, message me, show me what you've got. I cannot wait to see it because to me, your B minus work is my silver apple. 
that's what I've got for you this week. Have fun making your idea right. And I will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.